Spread number love all over the globe. It's the Vibe Show podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King. And today is our hundred episode anniversary, man. We have a special, special guest joining us today, man. I'm talking about this is legendary. This is legendary, and y'all in for a treat. I already told y'all something big was gonna happen, and it's popping off right now. I'm talking about one and only the legend. I grew up on this man, Mr. Ed Lover. What it do, Ed? How you doing, brother? Man, let me let me just start before I even get started. I, I want to just take time out right now because I know that you're a super, super busy man on this earth that we live on. And I just want to <laughs> thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, man, to just spend a little time with us on the Vibe Show on our anniversary, man. Thank you so much, King. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for asking, you know. People don't you don't have to have, so I appreciate that. Now, this you already know um, these this this little time that we gonna have on here is not nearly enough time to cover somebody like you, man. So I'm gonna try to do the best that I can to try to get in because I'm talking about you got stories for days and days and days. You know what <laughs> I mean? Seriously, man. Like I just how, how does it feel? You know, to still to still be relevant to this uh, up into this current time that we're in right now, you know, and dating all the way back to um, when you first came into the game. Like, how does it feel like right now in 2019, June 13th? I mean, you know, you can only go by day by day. I don't really kind of think about it that much. I just kind of work and let everything else take care of itself. So. I guess if I have to look at it as a whole, I think I'm very blessed, you know, at this point, 30 years later, to, to still be doing what I love and still be relevant to a certain demographic of this country. So it feels good. Right. Definitely. I, I know it does, man. I, you know, I don't I don't know if you ever get an opportunity to, like, step outside of the bubble sometime. Like you say, you take it day by day. But, you know, look on the outside, looking in and watching um, – everything progress in your career from when I first got wind of Ed Lover and fell in love with Ed Lover and everything that, that you blessed us with. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's real amazing to me. And it's, it's, it's a very big milestone to actually, um, to, to be able to cover you. Oh, thank you, bro. I appreciate that. I really do. Now you originally from, um, Born and raised in uh, Hollis, Queens, New York. Born in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn okay. okay. Moved, to, moved to Queens in the uh, late 60s, like around 69, 70, we moved to Queens. Somewhere around that time. Got you. Um, and, and, and before you actually um, got into the entertainment business, what was, first, let me ask you this too. How did was it always Ed Lover or was it something else before that? No, there was uh, there was a lot of things before <laughs> that, bro. There was there were many jobs, man. There was they, actually before MTV, I was a school I was a uh, school safety officer. I was like 
well, school security is what they called it, in a high school, like two blocks away from my house. Wow. And, and, and but, like... But music was always a part of what I was doing. Right, right. So it was, it, it was, it was the music that kind of navigated my path to wherever I was going. It was, it was always music, because I was a trumpet player for a long time, and I was in a band for a long time. So we were always motivated by music, always trying to make records or get a record deal or look for a record deal or something like that. You know, we looked up to the to the funk bands of, of that of that time. We looked up to the barcades and confunctions and the cameo and Prince and, you know, the Jacksons and, and George Benson and, you know, because you being a top 40 band, you're going to play whatever is, whatever is current. Right. So we looked up to all of those groups. So music was always the motivating factor behind everything that I did. And that was my first and foremost love was was the funk and the and the music. And then hip hop was a close really close second to that. Right. Um you know, and then um you know, back then too, you actually um you rapped in a group called No Face. Yeah, that that's no Face came about right around the same time MTV came about. No Face was a, No Face was a continuation of multiple groups oh. and uh, of people dropping out and uh, people, you know, just getting tired of struggling and not making it. People having kids and you know, different members of the band coming and going. And No Face was just a derivative of all the different groups that we were doing. It was just me and my two partners just deciding to like, you know what, we're going to do something a little bit different. And that's what No Face was. Right. And um, it, it you guys debated in 89 um, with uh, Island Records, club music imprint. Um, yeah, yeah. That was our first thing because what it was, was we were just trying so much as that funk group to get a deal at the same time. Like I tell you, I, I've always dabbled in hip-hop, in hip-hop and music period and being a dj you played house music you played a little bit of everything so when we saw the house music scene exploding around 88 89 those guys my other two partners they always knew that i liked to do parodies because like like i told you it was music and then it was hip-hop so i was always known as one of the good rappers in my neighborhood right so it was both of those things at the same time because i can always freestyle and i can always I can always write a parody. Like, I remember one time before anybody knew who I was at all, I went to the Latin Quarter in New York, and I got on stage and I did a parody of uh, my Adidas, and I called it my Skeezers, because Skeezer was like another word for slut. Right. Back in those days, and I wrote a whole ass, redid the whole my Adidas song to my Skeezers. What? Yeah. I know so, you still got some uh, some audio on that now. Yeah, there's somewhere around there. <laughs> Somewhere, I, you know, I used to do a lot of that. So when, 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 um, Hip House was really going crazy, and the Jungle Brothers came out with "Girl I House You," I just started one day around the studio singing "Girl I Hump You," you in my bed now, and it was like, yo, we need to write that and just record it, because <laughs> you know, Weird Al Yankovic and all that. Kind yeah. Of stuff was, it was like, oh, fuck it, let's do it, and we did it, and it, and we put it out on Fourth and Broadway, picked it up. And it went out, and we just started doing a whole lot of gigs, man. So, like I said, it was just, it was music. It was always music. And since, at that time, for all of those years that we have been struggling, man, since, like, come on, I was like, I believe I was, like, in the ninth grade when I joined that group. 
Right. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's like 77, 78. And for all of those years, like a good 10 years, with the same group of guys, different personnel, but some of us were just there for the, you know, the entire way. And we just felt like we didn't have a face in the music business. And that's why we called ourselves No Face. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. So, like you said, around that time, too, when you guys were doing that, um, was when the, the Yo! MTV rap situation kind of came into play. Can you kind of give us a um, a walkthrough Yo with TV, that? Yo! MTV raps came into play because um, hip-hop was really exploding at mm. the time. And um, Ted Demi, who was one of the producers of, of Yo! MTV raps and one of the creators, along with Peter Doherty, they both passed, so I'd like to say rest in peace to both of them. Yeah, rest in peace. They decided, well, Ted was always trying to get hip-hop on MTV somehow, some way, because I knew Ted, I knew Ted since high school. Right. Because Ted's father and his parents, they're Episcopalian family. My best friend's mother is heavy in the diocese of, Episcopal, of the Episcopalian religion. So that's how I met Ted, because when they went on the religious retreats or meetings or whatever, and they brought the kids, you always let me tag along to keep our son covered. Right. So that's how I met Ted. And it, the relationship just kept going from, you know, that into high school and to, into Ted going to college and then Ted being over at MTV. So when Young TV Rats was created, they had Fab Five Freddy. It was a weekly show. Right. But I remember watching a pilot of that show and Run DMC did the pilot. Now, Run DMC is from my neighborhood, so that was big for me. To actually be able to see them on, you know, on MTV because MTV wasn't dealing with black music like that. Right. After that pilot took off and they decided they wanted to commission a weekly show, they got Fab. And Fab was doing, you know, Fab was a downtown cat, one of the best friends of Basquiat, Debbie Harry, you know, immortalized him in Rapture. You know, everybody knew who Fab was. Fab was cool. Right. So they got Fab to do it in 88. And Fab started doing it and it took off again. And then they wanted to do it daily. Uh, Fab didn't want to do a daily show because he felt like he would be overexposed. And he was doing so many other things, video directing, you know, film. Fab does everything. So Fab said he didn't want to do it, so then they got to find host. So right around that time when Fab first came out, I started bugging Ted because I knew I knew so much about the music and about the artists that I was like, well, you need somebody to do, you know, something, a record report, a review of music or something. You know, go to a movie and see a movie and tell everybody what I think about the movie and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So when they decided to do the Daily, Ted, you know, said, hey, man, come in the audition. They're going to do a Daily show. I met Dre at the audition. I wow. Okay. I was about to ask I, you that, I too. Personally, I heard of, or, you know, I heard of the group that he was in before. You know, I heard, Knowledge Me was a big song. I heard, I heard of his group, and sometimes he had a radio show with, you know, on a Delphi University radio, and I was out in Long Island, so we didn't get it all the time in Queens. So every now and then I heard about the operating room, but it wasn't like something that I listened to, and it wasn't like I was a huge fan of him. I just happened to meet him there because Peter Doherty is the one that knew Drake, and Drake was the Beastie Boys tour DJ. Yes, sure was, yeah, yeah. Before DJ Hurricane, it was Drake. Okay. And um, so Peter had called Drake, and Ted called me in, and we auditioned, I auditioned, Dre auditioned, they put it on tape, and Ted had the foresight to say they look like Abbott and Costello. <laughs> Let me put them on tape together. And he put us on tape together. It was magic, man. He went to MTV and he said, this is what I want. 
And MTV said, well, we only got this amount of money. And Ted came back to us and said, yo, y'all got it if y'all wanted to split the money. And it was more than I was making anyway. So I was like, yeah. Sure. Right. It was just an opportunity to be on MTV not knowing how long it would last or anything. It was just, that's what it was. You know what's crazy about that, what's crazy about it is, and you kind of touched on it too, was what was so epic about it was, like you said, MTV, we, we didn't really have any um, urban urban um no anything on there so that you know rick, to me rick it was james big had to sue MTV. they wasn't they weren't trying to play rick james stuff like the only way the only way michael jackson michael jackson first black artist to ever be on mtv right right the only way michael jackson got on mtv they wasn't even playing mike when thriller first came out bro wow they still wasn't playing it sony music had to threaten to pull all of their artists off of mtv mtv was still a bait but it was just kind of music television to them. It wasn't music television. It was white music television. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, So MTV, So when Sony said, if y'all don't play Mike, we taking all our artists over here, it would have <laughs> hurt them really bad. Right. And so they started playing Michael Jackson. Because Thriller was... After Michael Jackson started playing Thriller was the first video. Some Mike, that's when it took all of those years for them to put on the hip-hop show. Or rap show, as they would call it. And Thriller, what Thriller, what Thriller was the launch of? They that was the first video yeah. they played over there. I remember and, and that. Run DMC is the first rap group to ever be played on MTV. Wow. And, and man, I mean, that's how it happened. And then from there, we just we just started rolling. Did you did, did you foresee like, you know, because I mean, like I know you were really heavy. Um, in the streets as well. So I know you knew a lot of cats. And like you said, you always was, you know, involved in music on, on you know, in some way or another. Um, like when when it took off, did you kind of foresee or when you got in was like, yo, you know, we're we going to kind of do this thing the way that we want to do it. Or was it kind of a script or they kind of just let you guys flow with it? It was just like do what you guys wanted because they had, wow. they had no idea of how big the music was they were just like these are the videos and they tell us how what videos they have and we didn't even have to clear anything man what um it was just like can you guys come in thursday and it was like yeah thursday meet ted dre and sometimes fab would come in and we would sit in the office or fab and ted would do it on the do fab show on a different day and then me and dre would come in thursday and we would sit with ted and we would program the entire week what yeah Wow. We were playing what we wanted to play, bro. The artists that we wanted to play, whose video we wanted to play, the music that we wanted to play, the songs that we wanted to play. Something new came out. We always had it on, you know, on a big beta that we would look at. It's, oh, yeah, that's dope. Let's play that. Right. You know, let's world premiere this. Let's world premiere that. That's how, that's how we work. Do you, do you think, like, you know, with, with looking at the way things are today, do you think that with it being that way, like that, and you guys having that much control oh, over hell no. it's content. Oh, billion dollar industry now. Right. There's no way they would give us that much control. Right. But, but, so, but you know why? Why? Because I don't. The FCC doesn't doesn't regulate that. Uh, so when you got when you have that power for people selling records, right? Like, right. Say the first the first NWA video we've ever played on Young TV Rats was Express Yourself because they wouldn't let us play straight out of comedy. Right. There was nothing, no way they was letting us play straight out of comedy. You know what I mean? Come yeah. on, straight out of comedy. There's a 
there's a line in there where he, he says, so what about the bitch who got shot? Sucker. <laughs> right, they right. They give a fuck about it. And even clean, it still came off wrong. So they was, they was not playing straight out of Compton, but then they had to express yourself. And so they let us play express yourself. So when you're, when you have a international television show like that, your own TV rights wasn't just the United States. Right. It was being broadcast everywhere that they had MTV. So when you are taking a group that nobody knows about and you're giving them that kind of platform, the record companies are making a load of money. Right. That kind of stuff. Off of the two shorts. And anybody, McCain, going platinum. And, you know, these are real platinum artists. This is not scan. This is scan platinum. This is a million people buying your stuff. This is not over oh, all of your streams. You platinum. This is physical albums, physical CDs, physical tapes. With all of that going on, the record companies are making a lot of money. Right, absolutely. So at the time of when we program and the MTV don't have their hands in what we're doing, we had no idea that we could have walked up in Def Jam and say, you don't give me a bag, I'm not playing Kane no more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Cold Chilling. We don't, you know what I mean? Because we had that power. We, we just didn't know it. Wow. So today, in today's market, bro, there's no way they would give us that power, bro. No way. Right. We do whatever we wanted to do. Right, right. I, yeah, I, you're absolutely right about that. It's, it's no way because they... they right, it's a multi-billion dollar industry because if you got your TV rap now, as strong as it was in the, in the late 80s going into the 90s, right? Yeah. As strong as that show was, we made a break So if you didn't get your shit on your TV rap, you wasn't happy. Exactly. Even... Even if you had it on, even if you, years after that, when BET's The Basement came, they didn't compare to Young TV Raps because BET wasn't an international TV show. Right. We were. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You you right about that. You right about it because it was more it was more global. It was on it, it when it started. It came out on a global platform like that. Yeah, it was it was yo, and it was it was in England. Dang. And it was hosted by Sophie Bromley before, but they played everything. So they played dance, everything. That's why Ted took it and and made it MTV Raps. We changed it into all rap, all hip hop, all the time. Right. Like the success of, of that show affected a lot of people greatly because a lot of times you didn't know what was going on in different regions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we're in New York. We ain't know nothing about no two showing. Right. Right. We didn't know, bro. So we just, you know, what we did, we did the best we can with what we had at the time. Man, y'all, <laughs> y'all really did it because, like, that was around the time, you know, we didn't have no social media or none of that stuff then. So none it's like that. that was around the time that people that, really bro. tuned in to, like, you wanted to get home whatever time that was coming on. Like, you know, we were home watching that. We wanted to see what the new video was or to see your video that you loved of a song right. that was out. You know, so it was a different feeling then, a different vibe then. And then to see you guys, too, just to see what type of fits you guys got on, what you rocking today, what it got on. Just like it was just a whole movement, man. Bro, let me tell you something. You you start talking to people, man. At this time in my life, it is absolutely amazing to meet people from India. To meet people. Just the other day, I met this lady. I was I went out to see Lionel Richie at this concert here in Chicago, and this grown lady walks up to me with her husband, and she's gasping for air. Her name what? is Stola. 
And she said, when I was a kid, we didn't get any hip-hop on the radio anywhere where we lived at. She said, I loved hip-hop. In 1991, I would watch Young TV Rats every day, tape the shows, and the dances that I saw in the videos, I would emulate those dances. And then I took that back to school, and I started a dance troupe at my school, all-white school, because of hip-hop dancing, because what I saw on your own TV raps. Wow. I've met Ethiopian people. I've met Nigerian people. I've met Russian people. I've met Japanese people. I've met people from all over this world that have told me they learned to speak English off of your own TV raps. Wow. So that's like one of my proudest, you know, my proudest accomplishments, man. Right. It's just, you know, that we took hip-hop and we spread it all over the world. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think another thing that was awesome about it too, though, was it, it was something that we could connect with. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all wasn't coming on with the glit and glam and all. Like y'all were guys that we could really relate to, and 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 we because felt we like were fans, bro. Yeah, we were two. We were two guys in the basement showing you videos and the videos that we liked and the people that we liked and the people that we thought was dope and. All of this stuff, bro. It was just like when they came to me a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago, and asked me for my endorsement on it. They were bringing back your own TV rights, right? Right, right. And uh, I said, well, I got to see the show before I endorse it. So I was like, I'm not going to just jump in and endorse something I ain't seen. And they were talking about this person was going to host it, this person going to host it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine for y'all. But in my mind, I'm thinking that's never going to work. Because you can't have a host who's not a fan. Exactly. You, you're bringing these people that's popular already on, on social media or whatever radio they're doing or whatever. They think they're just as important as the people they sit down to interview. As the art, Dude, exactly. The first time the first time Heavy D or Tribe Called Quest or, or well, I knew Tribe because they're from my neighborhood, but Kane, the first time I met Rakim, the first time I met Chuck D and Flavor Flav, bro, I almost passed out. <laughs> I was about to because ask you that. People, bro, I used to, let me tell you something. Before I got, this is a true story, and my best friend in the world that I've known for 40 plus years will tell you. I was Radio Raheem, bro. Come on. I was Radio Raheem before. I identified with that character so bad. I had a big ass box, two tape decks on it. Me and my dude, Kurt, used to walk around Queens, drink 40s, and only song that we played on there was Rebel Without a Pause. And I fight, this is before Fight the Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All we played was Dent, 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 Yicka, Yicka, Yicka. Yes, I had it. I had a 90-minute fucking Maxell. I had the vocals, then the instrumental, then the vocals, then the instrumental, then the on both sides of the tape. <laughs> 45 minutes on each side of one song, bro. Right, right. We used to rhyme to that song. We used to do, they would, people would see me like, yo, here they come. Because y'all play, cause yo, bro, let me put a tape in there. Hell no. Yeah, yeah. When I met Public Enemy, man, when Nation of Millions, the whole of back came out, changed my entire life, man. I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. That changed my life. Yeah. Public Enemy had an effect on me, man. So the first time I met Chuck and Flav, and they came on, we were talking to them, bro. And we were trying to be serious. So we went to commercial truck and said, hey, man, I've known Dre for a long time. Yeah. 
he said, yo, bro, we have fun. We don't, we, you know, I'm talking to him about blackness. And, yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have some fun. The, 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 we came back on, the Flavor started snapping on Dre. I started snapping on Flavor. Flavor started snapping on me, bro. I got a ton of lettuce. A ton of letters. You fucking clowns. Come on. How dare you make jokes with somebody as important to the black community as Chuck? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Wow. But that's who Chuck, Chuck was fun. Wow. You understand? So you ain't going to find nobody that's a fan of the music because they always, they're around these guys. These guys, these guys are making money, so their jury is the same as their jury. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Let LL yeah. come through. I knew LL from my neighborhood. And I saw LL when I was in school safety. I was told LL I was about to be on MTV. But when LL kicked, because he used to stop by the high school to see me all the time when I was standing out in front. So when I see L, when L come through, he had the four-finger name ring that said LL Cool J. He let me try that on. I couldn't afford that shit. Yeah, yeah. So I was a fan. Run DMC made me proud to be from my neighborhood, bro. So when I got on MTV, I was proud of who they were. They was proud that I got on MTV. See, that's so we difference. were super fans of Gangstar. Yeah. We were super fans of Blue Moon. We were super, I mean, Black Moon. We were yeah. super fans of, you know, I remember the first time I met Wu-Tang Clan. And it wasn't on there. It was on the beach. It was on Jones Beach. I was already on MTV. Right, right. They surrounded me and told me who they was and gave me Method Man on one side of the tape, the other side would protect your neck. So I knew who these guys were. I was fans. You ain't going to find nobody. That's a fan like that. That's why the show ain't going to have the authenticity that they had because Dre and I were two hip-hop fans in the basement showing you videos. That's what we were. Right. Just we're as just excited. Kid right next door to you. Yeah. We had no money, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's... You know, man, it's just... And, and, and that's why a lot of, a lot of shows... A lot of shows that, that they try to come out with, man... You know, with you breaking it down like that, that's real because that's why a lot of them don't last long. They don't even feel the same. It's the same. Because you got people, bro, my popularity is a byproduct of what I love to do. Right. These people are coming out wanting to be popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. see them on TV. Hey, this is your girl, Chantel Nicole. You're not my girl. You ain't been on TV for five months. Right. How you somebody's girl or some guy on on the radio? Yo, it's your boy. Such, you're not my boy. We don't know you, bro. <laughs> when I say it's your boy, Ed Lover, y'all know me for 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. The authentic who I am. Not there's, There is no difference, bro, between Ed Lover and James Roberts. No difference. Man. They're the same person, bro. I don't put on no front. I don't, nothing. There's no difference. I think Never that has been. I think that that's that that's that's what the connection is with you and so many people around the world, man. Is is that what you just said? That's what I love about you, and you're still the same person that you was when we seen you on TV. Bro, I had I've had amazing years, and I've had low years. Right. You know what I mean? I had low years, not even a couple of years ago, bro, when I thought, shit, I was sitting in East Orange, New Jersey in a job fair, filling out an application for FedEx. Come on. I promise you, I got to feed the family. So right. not, when I, my first tattoo I've ever got is a tattoo on my chest that says, I love it. You know why I got it? Wow. 
because I wanted to remember the time that I was Ed Lover in case I had to go back to being James Robbins. Man, I get that. I didn't have a contract for a long time on MTV. We didn't have a contract. Leo Cohen walked in there and got us our first contract as our manager. We had no contract, but we have a dressing room. Wow. Those first couple of years of Young TV Rats, me and Trey used to dress behind the facade of the, of whatever you saw. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't watch the videos, and that's something that people used to think, that we sat there through all the videos. All we had to do was, when we was on camera, do our part and lead to the video. And then we would go through days like that. So we did, well, when it got really popular and we had the countdown show, we did six days of Young TV Rats in a few hours. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, you had to wait. Sometimes you wait for a guest. Somebody was late and all that. But it was a day's work. And then I had the rest of the week off. Wow. To do whatever I want to do. So that being said, I got to L.A. I never had a tattoo. I said, let me go ahead and get this. Right there on Sunset Boulevard, the tattoo parlor is still there. I said, let me get Ed Lover on my chest because this shit ends yeah. and I'm not in the business no more. I want to remember every time I take my shirt off for that one or two or three years when I was actually Ed Lover in the business. Right. You know, in case I got to go back to work in a nine to five. And I, and I never had a problem. I, don't have, I never had a problem doing that, man. The best thing I've ever done in my freaking career is say yes to morning radio. That's the best thing I've ever did, bro. I was just about to ask you that. I was just about to ask you because um, uh, you did New York and uh, Philly radio. And um, that was something that uh, you and Ed did at that time. How did me and how Dre did, did? Me and Dre did morning radio together. Yeah. How did yeah. how did how did that how did that come about? We were on MTV around 1993. A station in New York was was called Hot 97, but they played dance music, and they were getting ready to flip that station to the first all hip hop FM radio station in the country because there's I can't remember the name of the radio station in LA. They had an all hip hop radio station in LA, but it was AM. Uh, nobody had nobody had done Greg not Greg Street. Greg Mack was on that station in LA. But it was AM. Nobody had done an FM all hip hop radio station. They stayed away from it. Steve Smith was the program director and he came down to see us. He got in contact because they wanted some authenticity. So he got in contact with my manager, Charlie Stetler, at the time, and he said, hey, can I come down and talk to you and Ed and Dre about doing this radio station that we get ready to flip in New York from dance? Because they were playing like K7 and, you know, stuff like that, Funk Dad and all that kind of stuff. Right. And um, he came in and he talked to us, and I remember Charlie saying, hey, you know, he's like, we want you guys to work five to nine, Da, 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 da. And I was like, man, listen, I'm on MTV. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not, I ain't doing shit else. I'm not, I ain't working no damn radio. Right. Because I had had an experience where me and Dre were doing Friday nights and Saturday nights, calling it the operating room on, on WBLS. And Mike, uh, Mike Love was our program director. And he was just, just nitpicking about everything, dog, just getting on our nerve. And, you know, so I got to the point where I ain't like it no more and I quit. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing this shit. And then Charlie said, dude, you see what's going on around you? And I was like, what do you mean what's going on around right. us right now? He said, MTV is starting to put more rap music in regular rotation. They're not going to keep you guys too much longer. He said, I don't think you guys will get another five years out of this. I was like, Charlie, you crazy. You don't keep your ass ratings 
ridiculous. We get money. Yeah. And then he said, well, if you don't even think about it like that, let me show you something. And he took a piece of paper and he wrote down a number and he slid it in front of me. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, shit. He said, that's what Howard Stern makes it. Yeah. I was what? like, are you crazy? And he was like, if you work hard and you bust your ass, you can get somewhere. He said, I'm not telling you you're going to get that number. But yeah. you can get near that number. Right. And I walked in and, and we took the, we took the gig. So I was getting paid from MTV and getting paid from the radio. Um, so we took the gig. And I remember the first day on the air, I said it on the radio. I said, man, I don't know this. This is right for me. I ain't used to getting up this early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. But I just stuck with it, man, and worked hard because my mom was like, you know, don't ever close the door on opportunity, man. If you get a chance to do something, at least try. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, so don't, you don't want to live with regrets. So I tried it, man, and I just, I just started liking it for the immediate reaction compared to somebody tell you something you did, you shot two weeks ago for MTV, you don't remember it. But when you walked out that door with radio, if you made somebody smile or laugh, or even if you aggravated them, they would tell you about it immediately. Yeah. So I like the immediacy of morning radio. And then people just started listening and the ratings started going up and we started just working hard on the show and devising features and and it just I just got I just fell in love with it, man. I just when think MTV ended in ninety six, I was already still good at hot ninety seven. That's what I'm saying. Like I just think that it's dope how and, and and that's what's so dope about it because like you never really had to you know how 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 sometimes in the business man how they they have a way of you know kind of making you step outside your element and do something else or whatever you know because yeah. that's the vision that they see that's what i like about you because you always been stand up you always been vocal you know and you always remain you and i think that that carried on until I think anything that you would have done after um, MTV would have been prosperous, even if you didn't see the vision and somebody else seen it because of everything that it, it, just your your organic your your organicness. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. But you know, um, one of the biggest I think disappointments for me, career wise, is that. Dre and I didn't get to do more movies together. Yeah. That, that I was really bent by the movie bug. And I'm going to tell you why. And a lot of people ask why. I'm going to tell you why. We, we, when we did Who's the Man, first of all, Who's the Man, conceptually, the story is mine. I took the story to Dre. Me and Dre expounded on it. And then we, New Line, wanted to be in business with us because we were popular on MTV at the time. They wanted to be on in business with us. And... They got a screenwriter that we also work closely to because every time he would write pages, send it to us, we change the dialogue and send it back. Right. Um, so, and we gave, we, we made them high attention direct it, right? Right. So, after we did uh, Who's the Man? Who's the Man unfortunately premiered the weekend after the Rodney King verdict. Oh, so man. all of our white fans were scared to go to the movies with the black people. <laughs> right, right. At the same time. But we did it we did a decent five million dollars first weekend. And we were the number one comedy in America that first weekend. We got two thumbs up from Cisco and Ebert. Then we got a three picture deal with Universal. Now I was happy about that. We rolling. Three picture deal with Universal. We get a nice check from Universal for it. Come in, they fire the fucking president of Universal Pictures, bring in somebody else and he just negated the deal. 
What? Yep. Because we were, we had like, dude, we getting ready to do in the, uh, was it in the army over the Abbott and Costello movie? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a Tony Curtis movie, a Jack Lemmon movie called Some Like It Hot, when they um, they two band guys. And then they witnessed like a mob murder, and then they got to go undercover as women in the all girls band. Yeah, we was doing all of we was doing all of that, man. All oh, that, that. would have been big. And the deal just got negated. I mean, I got a nice check out of it, but shit, I wanted to do the films. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that if that's if if there's anything that I really really regret is that Dre and I didn't do it, and for some reason I don't know what it is. New Line will not give us the rights to do another Who's the Man. I've been trying to do it for years. Wow. You know what? Because everybody was asking me. Yeah. Another who's the Man. It's, I mean, it's like, why not at this point? Exactly. They got, they got, you know, sequels to everything else. I mean, stuff that you actually, tired of, tired of, we tired of, I mean, we don't want to see no more of, of half the stuff that's out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know what I wanted to ask you, too? I wanted to ask you, um, 1992, Juice, um, was that was that the first time that you met Pac? Because you had a real, real, real close relationship with Pac. Oh, dog. I met Pac. Set of Juice. No, no, no. I got to know Pac on a set of Juice. Okay. I knew Pac from Digital Underground. We crossed paths back in the days. Right. Okay. When he was a roadie for Digital Underground, after they did same song, we crossed paths when we came out to do. Digital Underground, or I was in California and I ran into them. It was always love. But when he did Juice, he connected with my boy Stretch. Stretch was in a group called Live Squad. Right. That was that was underneath my production. I got them a deal through with the help of Queen Latifah at Tommy Boy. Right. We wow. had no face. We had no face records, bro. We didn't have just. We just wasn't signed to Def Jam. Already, they have Rush Associated labels, and that's where Onyx and them was on JMJ Records. Yeah, we had, bitches, we had bitches with problems on No Face Records. See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know you were in conjunction like that, bro. I was a label owner, bro. That's I had dope. Third to third, bro. That's we dope. We had No Face Records. We had BWP and us, and we were about to, we we had a uh, first. You know, a first look. So anything that we wanted to sign, Def Jam could sign it first, and if they didn't want it, then we take it somewhere else. So Def Jam didn't really want Live Squad, so I took Live Squad and signed them to Tommy Boy. Man, that's dope. So Stretch, being the weed-smoking motherfucker he is, goes with me when I'm doing my little blink-if-you-miss-me part in Juice. Yeah. Him and Pac connect, and Tretch knew, Tretch knew him, so they all connected. They all blowing back weed, and them two dudes just became the best of friends. And that's because he was my man, and that became Stretch Man, and that's how it was. But he was way closer to Stretch than he was to me because Stretch used to produce for him, you know, write with him, travel with him, everything. I was doing your TV raps and all the rest of my shit. Right. What was? So the- we were really, we were really close, man. We were, we, we were close. We were friends, and sometimes we were enemies, and a, a lot of times we were friends, <laughs> man. What, what was the atmosphere? Because um, did you just do your part and you was out, or you kind of like was around? You know, um, what was the what was the atmosphere like, man? Like on a you know a, a epic movie like that with so many big names, but 
fresh young, everybody fresh young in the game, just on 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 who's the man or juice? Juice. It was man, it was fun, man. Them dudes you know, when you get in a movie like I think they say, you know, when you see stuff after the fact, you understand how important it was. Right. Um, you know, when you look back on it years later, you're like, "Wow, that shit was epic." But we don't know. We don't know it's epic when we live when we live in it. Yeah, gotcha. it's just like okay, there's this movie Juice. We knew who Eric Dickinson was because he worked with Spike, right? And right. he's going to direct it. And I thought that was dope because Eric Dickinson came out Spike Lee camp. He was Spike Lee's director of photography. So I was like, this motherfucker got to know what he's doing. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's Omar Epps, who was really nobody at that time. Khalil Kane, you know, um, probably the biggest one out of them all was um, your man, the little fat one, because he had already been in Lean On Me and yep. a couple other joints. Yep, yep. So he was bigger than them. And they was just, you know, the vibe was, here's a movie. We hip-hop. We love hip-hop. And we're able to participate. This shit is dope. So we're just gonna ride this shit out, have fun, do what we do, while while it's here because we never know if it's gonna happen again. But once Juice came out, I was like, "Yo, Pac gone." I was like, "Yo, that dude got screen presence like nobody I've ever seen. Him. Like he's a natural." I know, man. I know. He's man. a natural man. That Pac was a Pac and X remind me a lot of each other. They Minus do. The, Whatever crack X was on, because they, because they both torn souls, man. Yeah. Like at one point, you ever heard the line with Jay Z said, "I can't help you if I'm if I'm on the same financial level as you are." Right. That was Pot. Pot wanted to help his people, but he had to get the money because I could do more if I got money. That's who he was, bro. It was help these people, but on the other side of this shit, I like being Pot. I like fucking bitches. I like smoking weed. But on the other side is I still am a black revolutionary at heart. Right, right. That's why he's able to touch people's soul. So a lot of times a big debate will come up in the in the, in the the barbershop, with me, especially if I'm in there. Because I'm an OG no matter where I go, and people always want my opinions on hip-hop, right? Right. Like, today's hip-hop, who is better, Biggie or Tupac? I said, you can't make that. You, there's no way... That you can say who was better because they two totally, if two totally different artists. Now, if you want to say right. who's lyrically better, Jay Z or Biggie, that's an argument. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. If you want to yeah. say who's lyrically better, Kane or Rakim, that's an argument right. I have. But you cannot compare Biggie and Tupac because they're two totally different artists. Pac made records to touch your soul. Yeah. Biggie made records because I'm a lyrical fucking genius. Yeah. Pac wasn't a lyrical genius. Pac was dope because he could touch your fucking heart and soul. Yeah. Biggie make you say, that shit was slick as a motherfucker. Yeah. Pac, Pac never made me say that was slick as a motherfucker. Right. Pac made me say, oh my God, I feel where you come from. <laughs> yeah. I'm, all, I'm about you know? to go and just, you know, I'm, I'm about to right. wake when up and... your soul with yeah. shit. When you saying shit about your moms, that's true. Yeah. When you saying it, even as a crack fiend mama... You always was a black queen, mama. Yeah. People can feel that because there's people that's out here and crack is, is, is prevalent all over the community and their moms is, is hooked on crack. Right. And they like, I love you anyway. You're still my queen. Yeah. But you can't compare apples and oranges. Vicky was a slick-talking motherfucker. Right. You know, and, and, and the funny thing is, through all that excitement, 
They shit got told they double parked by a hydrant, stupid motherfucker. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. You know, we hit makers with acres, roll shakers in Vegas. You can't break us. Lost tips on Lakers, gassed off shack, country house, tennis courts, and horseback. Riding the side of crack crab or lobster. Who said monsters don't prosper? Niggas is actors. Niggas is deserve Oscars. Pac wasn't rhyming like yeah. that. So you can't compare them to because Pac is a revolutionary that cared about his people that made Brenda's got a baby. Yeah. Dear mama. Yeah. Um, a host of others, you know, a host of, you know, a whole lot of great music, man. Right. That touched your soul even on his revolutionary tip but on the other side of that he may not get around. Right. 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 See, Biggie was lyrics. Biggie was, I'm Big Papa, Versace Shades watching ya. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Biggie didn't make music like Pac nah. did. I don't know why people compare. Um, because they know, was the two biggest stars in the, in, in the world that had a problem. Yeah. They had beef. Were you cool with both of them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, that's, man, that's, that's two, two of the biggest both people. In the game to me, man, and and to 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 have known them on a personal level, man, that's bro. They loved each other, it's bro. It's big. They loved each other. The, the 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 shit got fucked up. They loved each other for real, bro. Go back, look at the shit that people got out now, nigga. If Biggie didn't love Pot, when Pot got shot, Biggie is the one that took Tupac's gun tucked it in his waist, and walked it out of the fucking studio. Come on. It's true. That's true. Wow. That's true. The ball was already rolling, bro. And see, that's, he that's would what... Never, he would never do that. But the dudes that did the well, you know, it's out now. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jimmy Hitchman and them set him up, and Hitchman Jack had him hit up for running his mouth in the Vibe magazine. But Biggie had nothing to do with that dude. You know, niggas and, was scared of them niggas because them niggas was killers for real. Niggas was play play killer. Yeah. Niggas talk killer shit on the record, but never had a body underneath their belt in their life. These niggas was not playing. Like them niggas was bodying niggas, like for real. They had niggas in the industry shook, bro. You know that always bothered me, man. That that story went left like that, though, man. And it and, was and, crazy, bro. Once that ball got rolling, it was too late. It was too late, and then Puff made the mistake. He dropped who shot you. Shouldn't have dropped that record. Man. Yeah, man. I, I, I thought that, that wasn't was written way before Pac got shot. Yeah, but it was the timing. Talking shit. They shouldn't have dropped that record. That was a mistake. That just fueled the fight. That made it worse. Right. Because Pac felt like since y'all niggas is in the studio, y'all know these niggas. These are Brooklyn niggas. Y'all are Brooklyn niggas. Y'all know what the fuck the deal is. Right? right? Why y'all ain't saying shit to me about that? If you my man. Right. But no, he knew where it came from. And then now you dropping who shot you? Oh no, now it's on. Yeah. And then, and then it didn't help. It didn't help being on death row too. It didn't help. You know, it didn't help being surrounded by. Yeah. The damn shame, bro. It it is a fucking shame that we lost both of them dudes. Because I felt like hip hop would have never been the same. Nah, definitely not. I, I always like a say that. A lot of dudes came out and they didn't consciously take advantage of the vacuum. Yeah. But they just happened to be 
right around that time, right after these two dudes died, there's a vacuum. So somebody's got to fill the void. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I kind of felt like dudes was like, okay, well, somebody got a ride for New York, and now here's my opportunity. Like, I can do the bandana around the head shit now, pocket here. Pac wouldn't have, you think for one minute, and I love dude, dude is from my hood. And I ain't shitting on him because he sold a lot of records and made a lot of great music. Right. But do you really think Ja Rule could have came out with that motherfucking do-rag tied around his head like Tupac when Pac was alive? Nah. I don't think like, so. I mean... Jay-Z, to me, is absolutely, because of his body of work, how long he lasted, his effect on pop culture, his sales. He didn't live long enough to see his whole potential. So to me, Jay-Z is the greatest that's ever done it. Right. Right? Definitely. Do you think Jay would have been as big as he is had Biggie been alive? I don't. I don't think so, man. I don't think no, a lot of people would. Not to me. Nah. But you know, if if was a split, we all be high right now. So because Big didn't get Biggie didn't even drop. He had one. He had one video off that double album. Sure did, and that was hypnotized. Yeah, he didn't get to do the fucking Bone Thugs and Harmony joint. Oh my to, god! Remember, yet they had to have a kid. He wasn't even in the more money, more problems video. Man, I know they had him on the screen. And you know what was crazy? Cause you, you could tell what the, the way the momentum was going when that hit when, when that double album dropped. Because when that yeah. video, they was doing stuff in the video, that video was like a movie. That was the first time in a while right. that we since Michael Jackson that we seen some stuff like that. That was like a exactly. movie. They on but yachts, they the driving. You seen the way the movement was going. Yeah, yeah. For Bad Boy and for Biggie at yeah. that time. Yeah. Right? Right. So you saw you saw what was going on with the with, with Playboy. You think about it, Biggie Biggie, what, ninety three, ninety four when he came out? Yeah. Right? Jay didn't come out to ninety six, bro. Exactly. exactly. He didn't come out to ninety six with the Chris style and the Versace shirts and all that. Big was already They doing was that. already he was already on that. He's already on it. He's already they, on it. I that. mean, they was doing the Moet, but, you know, they tried to step the champagne game up a notch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and, then, and then you think about it, Big was talking about the commission. Yeah, he was getting ready to do that. Before the PSK record. Yeah. Like the commission, Uncle Paulie. Yeah. Iceberg Slim, Hova, Cesar Leo, Charlie Baltimore. That was a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the clothing line was getting ready to come out, too. Yeah, and he's opening his restaurant. Wow, man. Yeah, Brooklyn Mint was getting ready to drop. Yeah. yeah come on, bro. Yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Shit would have been different. Yeah, it, it really would have been different. I'm not taking anything away from everybody that's made it and made a great living. God bless your soul. But hip-hop would have been different had them two brothers lived because they were both smart. So eventually the beef would have died down and them motherfuckers would have did a record together. They would have at least loved each other. Man. They used to be around them niggas in freestyle sessions, man. What? They adored the way each other rhymed. They loved each other, man. Come on, man. Bro, they loved each other. Like Pac looked up the big and vice versa. They loved each other. And they common denominator was trash. Because I don't smoke weed like that. I'm a dibble and dabble dude. Right, right, right. It may be 
eight months before I smoke something. Like that. It depends. <laughs> if I'm up in Oakland, I'm like that I too. I have something like I'm blasting. Yeah. But just regularly, do I just go buy weed regularly? No, I can't even roll a blunt, bro. Right, right. You ain't no Bob so Marley. Whenever I was man. around them, I was the weed holding guy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, Ed, hold the weed. Especially when we was out of town. Ed, hold the weed. Ed, here, take the blunts. Ed, hold it. I was, that was who I was for them. Yeah. I'm older than them. Right. So I was always the voice of reason. Y'all, come on, man. Stop this bullshit. Right? Yeah. Knock it off, we ain't going to, no, no, not tonight. We ain't doing that. Let's go. You know, you know that's what I mean? crazy. I was always the voice of reason because I'm like 10 years older than them. 15. Right. Right. So, them dudes was young, man. Think about how old they were when they died. They were too young. Yeah. They were babies. Were you, can you, can you imagine what fucking music Pac would have gave to this universe? Man, that's what I said, man. I, you know, I think about that all the time, man, when I hear... Me too, when the books and shit Yeah, out. yeah. I, I, I was disappointed in all of the documentaries and stuff like that because I just, I just feel like if you're going to do a documentary about somebody, I think that you need to talk to people that have been around those Bro, people. Pac, first of all, you can't do a Tupac movie in two hours. It's no way. You can't. Tupac, somebody should have grabbed that shit and made it one of them four or five part miniseries. Right. There were so many facets to him. Right? Right. Didn't didn't cover his relationship with Stretch. Didn't even mention Stretch's name in the fucking movie. Pac is me at my mom's crib, bro. Come on. I got pictures of me and Pac on Jamaica Avenue in Queens in the Coliseum Mall, bro. What? I used to be at Stretch's mom's crib, spend the night. Stretch's brother got a book or two. That's still for thug life. Wow. That's how close they was. Pac is Stretch's daughter, Manisha's godfather. I'm the other godfather. What? Yep, it's true. None of that in the movie, though. None of that. They act like his whole life was Suge. He was with Suge. Bro, he did not live an entire year after he got out. Anybody can Google this. Pac did not live one whole year from the date Suge got him out to that next year. It wasn't a whole year before he died. So who was Tupac before all that? How do you do a Tupac movie and don't mention the fact that he was he got married while he was in jail? Now, see, that, that that right there was kind of striking to me, too. I was like, wait a minute, man. Who's putting this story together? People that's trying to cram a bunch of shit in the two hours. It wasn't done well. God rest his soul, John Singleton. That's who you should have let do it. How you don't cover the Tupac in what the most famous episode of Young TV Rides for Black People ever is when I put my hand over his mouth when he was talking about fighting the Hughes brothers from getting fired yeah. off the minutes of society. Yeah. How you don't cover that? How you don't cover when he did uh, Poetic Justice? When him and, when Janet wanted him to take an AIDS test before they kissed. Right. And he went the fuck off. Wow, man. Come on, bro. That's, you know, and, and, and that's, the, that's what pissed me off. And the same thing with the biggest story, man. It's like, it was whack, man. It was like, yo, like, it's not real. Right. Y'all just piecing stuff together to put a piece out, like, and I just... You, do, you can't do a Biggie story. First of all, you did a Biggie story. And where was Jay-Z? Right. Where was Foxy Brown? 
can't do that. Because that was and a that was a part of it. Jay was a big part of his life. What was the rivalry between? What was that untold rivalry? of little seeds. Go check out little seeds stories on, on Biggie. Seeds in the studio with these two motherfuckers, and they doing um, Brooklyn's finest. Right. And they and they walking past each other, mumbling to themselves. Cause nobody's writing this shit down on paper. And they looking at it. You can't tell Biggie's story without Jay Z, bro. Do 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 you think do you think cause like you you was out there in Vegas with Pac wasn't it when all that stuff happened you I mean you might have not I been I saw Pac when they walked out he stopped and talked to me after they stomped the kid out they came through we was all at the Betty Boot Bar and he walked past and we spoke that was the last time you seen him the last thing I said to Tupac was I love you bro he said I love you too cause we had beef. We squashed the beef right there. What y'all was beefing about, though, Ed? Because he didn't come to stretch his funeral. Oh, he didn't. He didn't come because he was mad at Stretch because he felt like Stretch needed to make a choice for who he's going to roll with, Biggie or him. Oh, when the coast beef was going on. But Stretch ain't had no ID. He had no Stretch used to drive a car with no driver's license, but he had no license. He had no ID. Pocket them used to get on him all the time. So y'all niggas, we getting ready to go overseas. Y'all niggas better get your passports. They had no ID, so they couldn't go to Rikers Island and see him. Oh, and he didn't understand that? He was already on some shit, bro. Every, but people have to understand that this is one thing. He's young. Yeah, yeah. He's young. He's not a fully, he's not a mature man at this time. He's still a kid. Yeah. Think about the shit that you went through as a kid and how you felt about certain shit. Yeah, you just didn't have no understanding at all about certain right, things. Just, like, y'all motherfuckers, I'm running with y'all niggas. Y'all niggas, see, I'm locked up. Y'all niggas, come see me. But niggas put shit on your books for you, though. Yeah, yeah. You had weed. You had everything you needed in Rikers Island. Nigga, we just can't. We don't have ID. Right. Plus, them niggas was convicted felons. Exactly. I was just about to, look, I was just about to say that plus niggas just ain't that comfortable with, you know, going up to the prison they either. convicted felons themselves. Yeah, they running IDs and everything else. Go up there and don't make right. it back. You can't go up there, bro. Yeah, yeah. I can send niggas who, who I know that can come see you to see you, but I can't come up there. Right, right. Do you think that, like, do you think that when the whole situation came about and shook them. They went up there um, to get him out and all of that. Do you think that, um, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say brainwash because Pac was his own, his own man. I, I would say put the battery in his back. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Put the battery in his back. You think that, that that's what happened? I, I for, for a fact, know that's what happened. Cause I don't. It just spiral. It, it's like the shit start, and then it spirals out of control, and then you come back, and somebody gives you money, somebody puts you on, somebody's putting your music out, and that person is like, and you already kind of got like a semi problem with somebody, right? And then somebody that's on your team that got powers, like fuck them niggas, whatever you want to do, we doing it. There yeah. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, because it, it, it just wouldn't stop brewing. And at first I thought that it was just going to be like a competitive type of thing. You know, when the Source Award thing jumped off and all that stuff right. or whatever. I, I just didn't understand that, that, that move right there. Pac was locked up, bro. Me and Dre hosted those Source Awards. Pac was locked up. 
That's why, and then you see them say, Tupac, keep your head up. Yeah. Right? Pac was locked up, bro. That was, that was, that was some other shit. It really that was. That shit was personal. That was between Wolfman and one of Puff Man getting into it, and Wolfman got, I mean, Puff, Shug's man got killed. Right. At a strip club in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I remember that. And, and he and, declared war on Bad Boy right after that. And 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 the two the two big and Pac the affiliates they just they kind of like fell into this whole they didn't really have a choice on on the cool and uh, you know because I mean they didn't have bro they didn't they did not have a choice bro they have a choice you gotta say at that point you gotta say fake like I can't just let you be saying fuck me and I'm this and I'm that and I'm uh, no nigga no right no I'm supposed to be this this Brooklyn nigga this this East Oakland no this West Coast this East Coast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I just, and, and, I just, cause I was the MTV dude, I just stayed the fuck out of that. Right, right. Even, 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 and I was about to ask you that, you know, with, even with you having that relationship with both of them, I'm pretty sure that you, you but tried to, you tried to speak to them on, on some type Absolutely. of level. Like, bro, come on, stop this. Y'all, y'all know, y'all know what we've done together. Y'all know how much we hung out. Y'all know niggas, y'all niggas love each other. Right. The media. I think really for Pac, he was in a worse situation. Was, who shot you, bro? When that shit came out, that nigga said, fuck everything. But you know what's crazy is with having that type of relationship, man, like, you know, he could have really checked the temperature on that and called him up. Call big up and like, hey, yo, man, like, I mean, like, yo, what's up with this, man? Like, you, yeah, this about me? Say, yo, Pac trying to reach you, bro, reach out. Yeah. Yeah, it could have went that way, but that's not for 25-year-old Tupac Amaru Shakur with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It just hurts. It just hurts, man, you know, and, and I know, yeah, I know right, it makes right. you yeah, feel yeah. some type of way being that close to them dudes like that. Like, yeah. Y'all niggas let these Brooklyn niggas try to kill me? Because Big even went to the hospital, man. Even when, yeah, you know, did. that's what I'm saying. And they he wouldn't did. even let him, you know. But, I mean, I thought that that was, and yeah, that was kind of big to, you know, even with all of that going on and him even Dolo. thinking. And ex- he went ex- exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I wanted to tell dude, I, they, ain't, they ain't come from me. Because it bothered they him, man. The niggas I told you to stop fucking with. It bothered him. It bothered him, and he he said it in in several several yeah. interviews, man. Like how you know it, it 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 he was he was messed up with the whole thing. He was messed up when Pac got killed, bro. Did you get a chance to talk to him? He was hurt. I was sitting next to Biggie when the lights came on in the Peterson Automotive Museum at the party. I was sitting next to the nigga. Wow, drinking champagne. He asked me, "Was I going to Nas's party?" Puff. Yo, let's go. The cars outside. He was like Edwin, because he always like to fuck around. Yeah, Edwin. I was like, what is it, Chris? He called. He used to call you Edwin. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to Nas' party in the Hollywood Hills? I was like, yeah. He was like, you want to roll? I was like, no, nah, I got a car in the back. I had a rental car. Yeah. I said, no, nah, I got a car, Christopher. He was like, okay, Edwin. I was like, okay, Christopher. Yeah. Last time I saw him a lot. Wow. You niggas love each other, man. It's sad. It's I, sad. I seen you upset in an interview, man. Like, um, like you, 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 you really went off, man. And I didn't really get the, 
the facet of everything that was said, but I know that you you were in a serious space because you know you clown around and joke around too. Yeah, but you know what pissed me the fuck off, man, about all things. Some dude that was locked up tried to put a book out and try to say stretch that pack up. That's what fucking. That's what that was about. Yeah, yeah. There's no way in God's green earth did that happen, bro. Yeah, you had to speak up about that. And then my man Nichols had to speak up about it too because Nichols got shot. Pac wasn't the only one that got shot, bro. Nichols got shot in the stomach. So Stretch is going to set his own man up to get shot? Come on, man. Right. Come on. And how? We ain't no cell phones. Right. None of, it makes, none of it makes any sense at all, man. It doesn't make any sense. We moved away. When Pac came to town, man, they moved around with Pac the way Pac moved. Right. There was no set schedule. Pac didn't come with a with a with a record rep and I have to do this, I have to do that. Like nobody went that remember, that was a little Sean session he was going to. Yeah, sure was. Sure was. Okay, so he didn't have that already pre done on his schedule. That's why they kept calling him, asking him where he kept paging him. Well, he yeah. kept stopping at pay phones and asking him when he was coming. Yeah. Because he was late. Nobody, nobody knew if he was like, "Yo, come on, we're gonna studio do this shit." We just we moved like that, right? Yo, nigga, Pac said he on his way to Queens. All right, I'll meet y'all around the corner in a little while. Right, right. You know what I mean? It wasn't no set. Okay, we gonna get up. We gonna do radio. Then we gonna do this. Yeah, yeah. If nigga did radio back in the day, be like, "Yo, man, let's roll up on Flex Show." Or oh, Stretch Barbito show tonight. Yo, let's go do Stretch Barbito. Or let's go do this. Just pull up. It wasn't no set. No schedule or nothing. Just pull up to the show. Come on in and talk on the radio. There was nobody that was taking him around New York. Except he was with his fans. Right. He was with fam. That was straight. He always was with Madge and Stretch and Lowe and Pomo and Gam and Nichols and all of them. That's why he was comfortable like that. Because he had the niggas that was respected. These are they were called the young guns. These yeah. niggas was respected, dog. These niggas is no they're not pussy ass niggas. Right. Them niggas bust their guns, my nigga. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 already had that neighborhood respect and the city they respect had the like whole that. City respect, bro. Yeah. Everybody knew who they was they, they was considered the little wild niggas out of Queens. Right. Right. But they was trying to change that. That's why they was they was rapping because they was hustling. They was hustlers, man. Right. When I met them niggas, they were sitting up on top on Spring. They had Spring Soap Boulevard on lock. Okay, Ja Rule was from there, but Ja Rule hustled all the way down on Spring Soap and Hempstead. Them niggas had Spring Soap Boulevard on lock, nigga. Wow. Lock. And they sat up there and they hustled and they put the little niggas out there and they hustled. They was getting money. Yeah. Down there, that's what they was doing. They was getting money. Man, that's... And they can say, oh, well, this this was homeboy's thing. Uh, Jimmy was moving coke, so Jimmy promised stretch an eighth. An eighth? An eighth? Come on, man. An eighth? As much shit as stretch with numbers. Well, yeah, I need Jimmy to get no cocaine, bro. The niggas are still going, half the crew was still going out of town, getting pounds and fucking kilos and right. shit. Right. We need an eight from Jimmy from. Come on, man. Fuck out of here. That didn't even sound right, bro. Like that. Right, and then people just bought into it because they want to blame somebody that's already dead. The me- that's what fucking bothers me. The media, he, man. He was already dead, yo. The media, man. It's like they 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 spin everything, and now it's like 
you know, the era, this social media era we in now, it's even crazier because it's like, you know, you have to really move careful, man, because you're yeah. always, you're always on beam. You got to watch what you say, what you, gotta you do. You got to watch what you say. You got to watch everything, man. I love that, bro. I've lost three people that I love dearly, bro. Dearly, bro. I, lo- I lost them, bro. Damn. 94, 95, no, 95, 94, 95, 95, no, Biggie died in 97. 96, yeah. 95, 96, 97. The quad shooting happened in 1994. A year to the day, on the end of my best friend's block, it was a block away from me, Stretch got shot and killed. Damn. The next year, Tupac got shot and killed in 96, and then Biggie got shot and killed in 97. You know, I just, I, I, with, with, with everything that was going on, I just didn't. I just really thought that that was a bad move when 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 Big went to L.A. I just didn't understand. You could have threw a party. LA, bro. You were there too. Yeah. I didn't I understand it though, man. Like even it, it. It. You know. You know. Beef never dies. Bro, we was old. He wasn't. He. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He was supposed to go to Europe. He stayed for that party. He wasn't supposed to go to that party. He wasn't supposed to be there, bro. Damn, man. You're supposed to be there. Why go to the party? Um, I don't think they, they really saw a threat. So you, you, you think that Puffnam really thought that, to me. It was good? Yeah. Yeah, I really think so. You know, because it's a lot of stories, man, like with the whole thing the way that you know they you know they had the police story that came out you had several other stories that came out you had the guy who said he did it and i, I mean it's just like you don't Bro, know who knows man you I don't know, know what to believe that shit up i know that much right well yeah but that's a fact that's a fact you know what i mean they like the way they covered that they covered the box shit up that's a fact so finally that had to come back that that was about stomping that kid out yeah you know what I mean? So it, it's crazy, man. It was just—I just think shit just kind of spiraled out of control. I think they got very lax, made some mistakes, and as a result, you know, one of the greatest rappers ever lost his life. Both, both of them. Both of them. Both of them. I don't think the niggas thought the niggas gonna roll up on them on that street, shoot at them like that. Yeah, you right. They're like nigga, please. This us. This death row. You know what I mean? Right. You know, on think, it, in a crazy way. I don't. I don't even really kind of think that Suge even had anything to do with, with with Pac, with you know because nah. I, I I don't believe nah. that man. I just I really nah. don't. Mm 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 mm. Them Southside Seas did that, bro. Yeah. That's in retaliation for stomping. Oh out yeah, well, ab- abs- absolutely, absolutely. That's what that was. Absolutely. You know, Ed, man, I, um, with. You you with the Atlanta move. I really thought that when you went down there um, to do radio, I thought that that was a thought that that was a really 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 good move. You know what, bro? I did too. I really did. I Tr- thought it was going to work out. I thought it was a fantastic move. I thought everything was good until I just finally realized about six or seven months in. That they weren't all in. Really? Yeah, because there had been a um, uh, a 
conference call with um, the president of radio over there. Right. It was Kathy Hughes' son, Alfred Liggins, and they was asking him about um, the throwback, you know, hip-hop station stuff. And he was like, well, we were first to get in because there was something that had been up in different cities and it wasn't working, and then they had formats or whatever. So he was like, we were the first ones to get in, and we'll be the first ones to get out. Now, once our president says something like that, that just throws a red flag. Yeah. And then it was the lack of promotion, and you know what I mean? And then they started, the major stations that they owned that we were on, they decided, oh, we're not going to keep this format. We're going to... I was like, this shit about over. And the only thing that really kept me happy and, and coming in every day was my crew. Yeah. Because who I work with, we had a really good time together. Yeah, you know, I, I I thought that I thought that it was dope, man. Because like it was, you, you know, it was a different. You brought a different type of. I thought it was dope, but there's one thing that they that I mean, you can ask the uh, the guy who was programming the music at the time. He even, you know, told my uh, people here at Intercom in Chicago, where I'm at now, he even told me, he said, man, we messed that up. And I told them when we sat down, I said, first of all, women move the needles as far as radio stations. So you got to play a lot of R&B. Yeah. And you got to mix this shit up. And you can't, it's just, it's just too many people programming these kind of stations that don't know the music, man. Yeah. And I told them, I said, to make every station different, Twice an hour, allow the local stations to play the hits that were the hits in their region. They're right. trying to program for Philly and Dallas and Houston. Dallas and Houston are two totally different markets, man. They had, you, if you leave slots open for their local joints that was only, you know, there's only a hit in Texas. There's plenty of songs that were big hits in Texas that yeah. never made. That never made. You know what, man? And I want that's what I wanted to ask you too. With you know, with, with with being in radio on the other side of it, you know, it's like, why is it? Why is it like that? Because like, um, I, I, I you know, the, they got a station in in um, Lake Charles, and um, DJ Flex and them out there, or whatever. And it just kind of amazed me one day when I was riding through there, and them dudes play everything, but it's a private-owned station. And, yeah. I mean, 3 o'clock, they got somebody from Fair to Louisiana playing jamming. I'm like, yo, this this is this is daytime. Like, man, they get love. It's a private-owned station. It's not a, it's not a conglomerate like Radio 1. It's right. not a conglomerate like Intercom or iHeart. Yeah. Or, you know, any of those. When you got those local stations, man, they can play what they want, how they want. You know, as long as they're getting the money that, you know, that they think that they should be getting from advertisement and commercials, they're good. But I always said to them when they flew me down to Atlanta for the, the initial meeting, I said, you can't blanket program. And that's what they did. Dang. And they just killed the show all the way around the board. Because I've seen you. And they just decided after two years they didn't want to be in that business anymore. Thank you. Goodbye. Wow. That's pretty much what it was. Because I thought that you were going to transition over there with Ricky now. Because I seen you on a, you know, on a couple of episodes on the... Um, oh, on, Ricky Smiley for real? Yeah. And I did Dish Nation too. And see, that's why I'll I save, thought that I'll it was going to work. I'll save that for the book. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Okay, okay. I'll save that for the book, bro, because... You know, I kind of didn't go. I didn't go in with blinders. I went. I, I went in with my eyes wide open, man. So yeah. 
And I just took it for what it was worth, how long it lasts. I made some good friends. All right, peace. Man. So what, what what's new, man? We've I had you on here, man. I'm just enjoying this so much, man, for this anniversary show, man. We definitely gonna have to to bring you back on. Like I say, it's it's chapters. It's to, chapters bro. with you. Absolutely. It's chapters. What's new what's new for me? Yeah, what's what's TV new? Gig that's coming, my bounce TV coverage show, Dad Lover Show on Bounce. It's coming on next year. Um still doing stand up all over the place. So if you see me in a comedy club, don't be surprised. <laughs> um that's like my fucking therapy, man. When I get on stage and make people laugh, I fucking love it. Um, been doing that for a long time, man, and just doing my radio show and stuff like that and then getting into a little bit of everything, man. Right. It's basically staying active. Acting, too, man. I got the, um, I'm in a few episodes of this show called uh, Southside that's coming on Comedy Central. I think it premieres July 21st or something like that. So, you know, that's what I'm doing, man. Just trying to be a, a working actor, and I'm already a working comedian, a working radio show host and TV personality, just keeping it going. Right. I, I want to ask you this, too, um, before we before I let you get out of here, man. Do you do, with with so much history and so many years, seeing so many decades of this, this entertainment business, if you can name like the 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 thing that you love about it and the thing that you hate about it. Okay. The thing that I love about it is that I am super blessed by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to still be making money off of hip hop thirty years later. Absolutely. So I couldn't ask for a better gig. You know what I mean? You're right. So, Absolutely. Like I said before earlier in, in, in this podcast, I've had downtime, I had good times. I mean, I love doing my own podcast. Come on, son, the podcast. You catch it on, on everything. Spotify, it's on Apple, it's on SoundCloud, it's everywhere. You can get it. And um, so I love doing that, too. I just love the fact that after all of these years, I'm still recognized. I'm still loved. I'm still earning a living. I'm still helping put my kids through college. I'm still enjoying myself and I'm still doing something that I love that's that's the, that's what I love about it but I can't stand about it, it, it at this point it ain't a lot it's just that I just wish that that we could really 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 help each other more like right. if I could do something for you I will and I think anybody that's in a position to do something for the less fortunate should do should do it right you know I'm loving like like I said I'm loving the evolution of watching these people grow up. Like, I love watching Jay-Z from 96 to now. Look at the man that he is. <laughs> yeah. Look yeah. at him Look at him putting his money where his mouth is. Look at him becoming the first hip-hop billionaire. Look at him helping people who are wrongly incarcerated. That's, I love to watch that man, the way he's evolved and grown up into a grown-ass man. I think children will do that to you, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I'm, I'm loving watching him drop knowledge. There ain't a lot that I don't like about it. I don't like them. I think we should learn more off the beefs between Big and Pop. Yeah, de- I, definitely. I don't like all the gunplay and all the violence that's associated with some of this shit. I don't like to hear Lil Wayne's bus got shot up. I don't like I to hear that T.I. lost a lot. I don't like to hear somebody tried to... I don't even like to hear that somebody shot Shug when he was at the... 
you know, I didn't like to hear the Drake and, and Chris Brown throwing bottles at each other. I know, man. Yeah. Our, our, our Soldier Boy and Chris Brown want to fight and all of this. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to. We don't need that. If we didn't learn anything, man, we should have learned by, you know, with the lost of Biggie and Tupac. That it could spiral out of control. And it might not be you. It might be somebody else. Right. You know, I hate I hate hearing XXX Tentacion. I wasn't a big fan of his music, but I hate to hear that that young kid lost his life, man. Yeah. That shit bothers me, bro. I'm an OG now. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. No, that should should be dead. Right. Do you think you, you we you... could do more, man? And I just think that these artists need to do more. I think at this point right now, with with the way shit is going in hip hop. With these kids and all of this shit, I think they could they could help a lot of other kids if they all band together and did another self destruct. That's what I was gonna ask you, man. Like, you know, do 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 you think that that it's it's this is a part of of any type of agenda to to continue to you know you know how they excel certain artists just out of the blue, man. It's just like. Yeah. This person is just on top good. of the world. And you're like, yo, how? Like, and then the other yeah. artists like your J. Coles and different people yeah. like that, your your Black Thoughts and all these different people, your Commons and all these different people, they don't really like... They're not the most popular thing. Yeah. Do you think that it's, think it's designed like that? I think it's on purpose. I think if you can keep them dumb, if you can keep them doing a, a, a certain amount of dumb shit, then... There's certainly going to be a certain percentage that you can incarcerate, and once you incarcerate them, they lose a lot of rights. The recidivism, the recidivism rate is very high. Right. Or people going back to jail because they come home, they can't get a job, they got felony. No, I think it's purposely done to take the positive hip hop off the radio. It was never anything wrong with N.W.A. saying a bitch is a bitch or right. Ice Cube saying a bitch is a bitch, but we always had Latifah saying, "Who you calling a bitch?" Right. There right. was always a balance. Right. The balance has gone away. The kids don't know balance. And the respect level um, for the pioneers that, that's opened the doors and actually made a way for them to even be able to do anything, there's no respect on that level either. I think if we show, they respect the shit out of me. Oh, absolutely. I think if we, think if we show them respect, they give the respect back. Right. Right. I think when you talk shit about their music... Yeah. They don't have respect for you. I don't see anything wrong with their music because it's a young man's game. That's their music. Yeah. Like, I tell anybody who listens, the most, the motherfucker that got the biggest potential to be the biggest star hip-hop has ever seen is Drake. <laughs> man, I'm telling you. you know why? Because he can act. Yeah. And if he dip himself into the movies seriously, oh, over, man, bro. yeah. And the most important rap group in the last 10 years, is the Migos. Yeah. All that drill rap shit, that's all Migos, bro. It is. That's their style. So you can't, we can't expect a 15-year-old to understand rocking. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They hardly understand Jay-Z. Right. Bro, I went to see Jay and Beyonce, right? Yeah. They was here in Chicago at Soldier Field. Bro, Jay-Z did Song Cry. I think I was the only nigga standing up. <laughs> Them kids, with the, they didn't understand. Yeah. They, they didn't wanted... understand 444. They yeah. Know, nah. Know whatever he did with Beyonce, yeah. they know that. They don't, come on, man. They're crazy in love. 
didn't get that. They're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they so wait. I can't knock them because that's the same way that we were with certain shit. Yeah. Right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I remember, I remember Melly Mel and them didn't understand what running them was doing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that you know what that that is true, man. You know, even though let them be, man. Stop knocking them kids, man. Let them be, man. Let them make it. <laughs> yeah, man. There's certain joints that I like. Certain shit I know ain't for me. Yeah, that ain't for me. You ain't make that one for me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That ain't my steam. Yeah, I like Cardi B. Not all of it. Right. Most of it. But then there's really good ones out there that's just not getting the shine. So if hip hop is still your love, hip hop is still your thing. Then you just gotta find the shit that you like. Yep that 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 that's it. Don't that's act it. Like we act like every rap artist out now that's a young rap artist is, a, is one of them money over bitches, nigga. Everybody ain't like that. Yeah, they're not. They got they got some ones that I that I hear be spitting, got man. Some ones, bro, that get the homegirl rap city. I was happy to see her get nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Three D not T out of out of out there, man. Come on, bro. Yeah. Everybody ain't this. Every girl that's rapping ain't the city girl. Suck my pussy, nigga. Eat I know, dick. right? Got some money, nigga. I know. Man, everybody ain't like that, bro. Those are the popular ones. Yeah. But everybody ain't like that. If they always seem to be the popular ones, man, and the ones the that that that, that, that can. That's what the radio plays. Yeah, even, yeah. Come on, even at the height of Biggie and all of that shit and Pac, there was still J. Rude, the Damager. That you know they had stopped really being cute. Yeah. Yeah. People were still making music. We just kind of stopped fucking with them. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't really playing common in New York. We just respect the common after a while because we've been around so fucking long. I think the biggest record common probably ever had that played on the East Coast was probably The Light. Come on, man. Seriously. Wow. And I've been jamming common, man. I've been jamming common from Can I Borrow a Dollar? Exactly. Bro, until Big Pimpin'. Half the East Coast did not know who UGK was. I did. I did, yeah. You're right. I fucked with them. But right. come on, man. And that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, on Big Pepper. They were like, I think, why they put that thing on the record? Yeah, that was, a, that was a, yeah. They did have some, took some conversations about that, like, you know. Why he put that. And that was a strategic a move. Genius. That was a strategic move, like like he always do. He ain't want to be on the record, but he said if I'm going to be on the record, I'm going to represent Port Arthur, Texas. Wow. You understand? That's he, crazy. He purposely rhymed the way he normally fucking rhymed to represent his community, his yeah. where he came from. Yeah. This is how we do this shit. Smoking, I, acting up, keep a drink or in my cup. Everybody want the ball, holler brown at the mall. Niggas like that shit is trash. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, and it went from being trash to everybody loving it. Exactly. To not everybody, you know, it, 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 it spent around to the music is sounding like that now. They rapping like that now. Exactly. That's crazy, so man. Everybody was used to. Hug them, love them, fuck them, leave them. Cause yeah. I don't fucking need them. Yeah. Think about the hood, keep it looking good. You know what I mean? Yeah. He slowed that shit all the way down. So did. And now everything is the slow rap now pretty much. Well, you know, they still got the, the Migo flow. I call it the Migo flow. You know, that's pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's the most prevalent flow in, in the music business right now. Yeah. Between the Migo flow and the Drake, the Drake 
vocalizing harm, harmony. Man, that damn Drake, man, just he just he just be killing them, man. That dude is like Drake is, Drake is LL Cool J, man. Man, what is LL known for? It's for women, right? Yeah, yeah. Drake is LL Cool J mixed with Fifty Cent, mixed with Ja Rule. Yep, because they make it mad, then they're going to give us some of that super aggressive stuff, and we just going to be jamming that, too. Right. That That's dude is... Yeah, yeah. Drake is doing, but Drake is saying. So he's singing, and he's singing and rapping. Where's 50 was doing? You a window shot. Singing and rapping. You mad at me? Right? Singing and rapping. And then and, and, yeah. and came back, and, 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 and uh, what was on Ja Rule about it came back... Was doing and the this, same thing. I think that Am if Ja, right you're right. I think if Ja wouldn't have focused so much, man, on I that and just kind of stayed what he was doing, because Ja had it, man. He's the biggest shit on Def He had it, man. At that time, he was outselling J and X. Yes. And X. He should ignore them and kept making the record. Exactly. He didn't even have to respond to that, man. It was a career ender. He could have threw a jab. He could have threw a jab. And yeah, right. you know, just like how Jay do. Jay throw you a little subliminal or something Dan, like that or Dan whatever. Slap you real quick. Yeah, and through with that. Remember, remember when 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 Fifty did how to rob? Yeah, yeah. And Jay came back and said, "I'm about a dollar with the fuck." And he was done with that. Right, done. I might make a whole ass record about this nigga. No. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Jay don't Jay slap you. I think people around Ja man was it, it man your circle is important man. Yeah. Somebody yeah, gotta have common sense to be like ah oh, man. This nigga, it ain't understand this nigga had the streets on lit up. Man had you the women on lock. You had you had you was good you had the chicks and all that but come on bro really niggas you wasn't like the street. Nigga. Yeah that ag- that aggressive that aggressive too aggressive music wasn't really him and Fifty came with One that. Him. One him at all. 50 came with that, man. Like, 50 kind of baited him. Man, he he fell for the bait. From the, from the gate. The nigga got shot nine times. Exactly. From the gate. We were like, yo, this nigga Fifth is real. We know Fifth from the hood. Yeah. He from Southside. I'm from the North Side. Everybody knew. He wasn't even 50. They was boo-boo. Yeah. Yeah. Drug dealers. The nigga went to the high school where I worked. I kicked his ass out a million times. Come on, man. That's why the nigga called me OG Bobby Johnson. <laughs> that what he called you, OG Bobby Johnson? Yeah, when he see me, OG Bobby Johnson. What up? Man, I love to meet that dude. That dude is funny as I don't know what. Fuck that dude you. is the the, 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 the social media way. king, man. I'm telling you, they don't want to mess the with him. The king of the trolls. That's yeah. Troll everybody. I'm telling you, man. That's why I made my motherfucking Instagram video. I was like, nigga, please <laughs> loan me some money. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. I'll never pay you back. Fuck you. I need to get my followers up, nigga. Please loan me some money. Right, right. I, I'm talking about that's crazy. Man, yeah, Ed, listen. Is, man. I want to, uh, this is the last thing, man, before we got to, Ed, you got to come back on here, man. Like we, I will, bro. Lord, I'm, I'm, I enjoy myself immensely, man. Traveling through memory lane with you, man. Did an old man some good, bro. Man. It's just did us both some good, man. I always hey, congratulations I'll, on your hundredth episode, brother. Thank you so a much. Success to you. Thanks to everybody who emailed in, everybody who's listening, and, and all that. I really appreciate it. I really do. I always ask my guests. Um, I always ask my guests this question before you get out of here. I always ask them if you had an opportunity to speak to um, a room full of 
inspired but uninspired people that were looking for some uplift, some words of encouragement, and some motivation, and you had the opportunity to speak to the room, what would you tell them? Jesus is love. God is everything. God is the light. Do not turn your back on God. God never gives you more than what you can handle. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, bro. I praise, worship God every single day of my life. It never fails. Because I would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for God's grace and mercy. Keep your beliefs. Stay focused. Praise God. Worship God. Work hard and only do things if they're pleasing to God. And every check is not a good check. Wow. Every check is not. And everything that looks good to you ain't good for you. Remember that. It's not about, and I would tell them this. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So enjoy the journey. Because I've been here 30 years. I'm still going strong. Still going strong. I know people that have come and gone. Right. That were much bigger stars than me. And I'm here. But they lost focus on what's important. What's important is your relationship with God. It's more important than anything else. It's more important than your sales. It's more important. Man, keep your morals and your dignity about you, man. You right. have to. Stop reading other people's shit and looking at their pockets. I'm proud of my people, man. Congratulate. Don't hate. I'm happy Jay's a billionaire. That's right. good for all of us. Right. I'm not going to walk around, damn, that's supposed to be me. Come on, bro. God gave me what I was supposed to have. Wow. That's my advice. Stay up. Streaming um, right now on everybody, man, all the listeners out there, man, y'all go and check out Come On Son Podcast, Mr. Yes, Ed Lovers Podcast, streaming on all platforms. Ed, yes. man, I love you, man. Much right. blessings, more success to you, my brother. And you, you got brother. to come back on here again. We're going to set it up, man, and we're going to chop it up again, and we're going to okay. do this again, my brother. All right, my brother. Love you too, man. Y'all be well, man. Everybody, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's the Vibe Show Podcast with your boy Kano the Don, the Vibe King, and my special guest, my brother, King Legend in this game right now, my brother, Mr. Ed Lover. We out. Thank you, Kano. Appreciate you, bro. Yes, sir, my brother. One. We out. 